You've hit play on the Screen Companion, a show about making your viewing time count. So here we are, talking about bromances. But how do we define bromances? Andrew, let's start with you. Bromances are where the dudes are usually in close proximity, where they're essentially married in a way. So it's kind of like a work wife, but it's a bro. One of those like, I just finished your sentence, bro, or I know what you're thinking before you even say it, bro. I see it in your face, bro. Stuff like that. Okay, that level of uh, connection. Yes. Stacy, what do you think about bromances? I totally agree with that, but I got to take it a step further and go like, when you get married to your best girl, you know, becomes your wife, that's your ride or die. Now switch that for the bromance. That's your ride or die, bro. Sometimes you put him over the wife because he's such a bro, you know? Like, you know each other so long. The wife is second. <laughs> it's you and your bro, man. That's the bromance. You and your bro till the end. Got each other's backs. That's a good point. I think a bromance could be the only thing that might overshadow a romance. Yeah. At least for an instant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it down to a simple test. At some point during the movie, the audience should ask, or at least entertain the notion, that these guys are gay for each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I think in order for it to be a true bromance, you would ask these characters, and then they'd say, oh, no, we don't actually have sex, but, you know, we get pretty close. The moment they do, then it's just a gay relationship. But I think one step under that would be the bromance. Okay. I like that. (laughs) All right. What are some of the classic examples of bromances that you can think of? I think a lot of comedies have good bromances. Like, Superbad was a pretty good bromance. Jonah Hill has been in a lot of bromances. Yeah. I'd say Wolf of Wall Street at times borders on bromance, too. I know he probably wouldn't like me saying this, but he's good at playing second banana. Well, second banana is very important. If you've got an unripened banana, you can tank the movie. I agree with you. He's always the bro in the manse. When you're watching something like that, is it more aspirational for you? Like thinking, oh man, I could see myself getting to that level with one of my friends. Or is it more the vicarious aspect of just imagining you being in a bromance that intense? If I had to pick from those two options, it would be more of the vicarious. I don't have any bromances now, but I would say in my early college years and high school, I did. Back when you were experimenting? (laughs) No, no. There's like a friend of mine back in all of high school and then for a good chunk of early college where we were hanging out a lot. That's the bromance that I've had. So it's not vicariously like, oh, I wish I had that ever. It's more like, oh, that brings me back. It can be nice where it's just like, yes, yes, I know that feel. Well, Stacy, you are our special appearance by in this episode. Your movie from 2016, War Dogs. You stated up front with me that this would be a first watch for you. What put it into your mind and why you wanted to talk about it? Straight away, you hit me the text, like, we're doing bromances. Can you come up with any? 
I was like, all right, sweet. Let me hit Netflix. Start scrolling through, scrolling through. Just looking for pretty much good actors that I know of that might have like a support actor or another leading role with them that kind of mesh well together. It's like a typical bromance. And that's, bam, War Dogs hit me right away, man. Because I know Jonah Hill, and I don't know the name of the other guy. Miles Teller. Yeah, they've been in so much stuff together. It's like, okay, this might be my movie. They've been in other movies together? I feel like they have. Are you confusing Miles Teller with Michael Sarah? I don't think so. Stacy, are you saying all white people look the same? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't make any accusations like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like that tone, Stacy. <laughs> what? Me? <laughs> Give us a little summary of the plot to War Dogs. You got one guy, goes by name David, got a solid job. It's the year 2005. He's working in Miami. He's not doing too well, but he's doing decent. He wants to make more money. Bam, out of nowhere, his best friend from childhood pops up. What does his friend do, though? Sells guns. He cuts him in on the pot. And that's our movie. What were some of your favorite scenes or performances in this, Stacy? I had so many, dude. From the get-go, I was just enjoying myself. <laughs> Best one I could think of, right in the beginning, David decides to switch up his jobs and sell sheets. He's going around trying to sell these sheets to different retirement homes or rest homes, if you must. And he's talking to the head of the home, and the coordinator gives him this awesome line that I love. Would you wrap a lizard in cashmere? <laughs> there's a fair degree of cynicism in this movie and yeah that's punctuated by that <laughs> how about you andrew well honestly anytime anna de armas was on screen was a great moment for me did you buy that she would be with miles teller in this movie absolutely not she's out of this world gorgeous she wouldn't be with that miles teller i was genuinely jealous watching this movie Wait, she plays Liz, right? Yeah. The question I'm thinking of is in the TLD. Answer to her is yes, bro. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the problems I had, it wasn't a big problem, but something associated with her. If I'm a down on his luck guy, or at least feel like I'm unsatisfied in life, it kind of hurts my argument when I come home to Anadarmas. It does, yeah. Life sucks, and then she's there. It's like, stop bitching, buddy. You got her, you got her pregnant, she's got to stay with you forever now. (laughs) Good job, bro, good job. (laughs) Talking about performances, Jonah Hill won me over immediately. I'm not a hater or a big giant fan of his. I think he was great in this. He plays that scumbag that you end up underestimating. I always enjoy those antagonists that have that hidden evil quality to them. Like, it's not just obvious on the surface. And his acting choice to do that laugh, I love that laugh. It's a great punctuation to whatever scene he's doing. That laugh drove me nuts. I was like, is this his real laugh or is he doing it as a nervous laugh? What is up with that? I think there were moments where he did the laugh where you could argue that it was genuine, but there are other moments where you could argue that it's totally fake, where he's just trying to endear himself to people. And maybe it's all fake, because in a way, goofy laughs like that, they do make you big, oh man, this poor guy. 
So maybe it was just a way to disarm people with something where people feel sorry for him? I thought it was a bit of a power move. He's forcing that laugh because it does draw your attention. He's commanding the conversation with that stupid laugh because that's all you're thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) That's valid. That's very valid. Where do we see evidence of a bromance in this movie? You know, you get the beginning where they introduce himself. He's like, oh my god, I know this guy. We're best buds. They hang out. But it gets deeper. I say, like, later on in the movie, after they've been partners for a couple months to, like, a year or two, we see Ephraim give David a golden grenade, which at first I thought was a spite. Some motivation behind this, you know? Somehow he's gonna screw him over with this grenade. I felt like that was foreshadowing. There's something symbolic going on. It might have been, but at the time, there was none. You know, none at all. Nothing bad with it. For a bro to give someone else something like that, pure gold grenade, that's a ride or die, bro, man. Well, he seems like a money-hungry bastard. Maybe he just took a real inert grenade and had it plated in gold to save money. (laughs) Yeah, I never thought it was a solid gold grenade. I was like, oh, that thing's plated. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta be solid gold, bro. He got engraving and everything on it. I feel like a lot of the bromance moments were not just the reminiscing, but there were a lot of dialogue moments. They did have really good chemistry together, and they played off of each other very well, so I think it was just that type of bromance for me where the chemistry was just there. Yeah, I bought into their history within the first couple scenes of Jonah Hill showing up because the dialogue felt very natural, maybe because it felt very similar to something I might do. Jonah Hill's immediately giving them crap. They're playing off of each other. It just feels like something you would do when you're hanging out, driving around. The bros roast each other. Yeah. With all that, like the first, like I say, about 10 minutes or so, you hear David being the narrator. And did you guys find that annoying at first? You got over it within like the first couple of minutes? Or are you cool with being 10 minutes and then throughout the movie? The narrating didn't bother me too much. There were a few times where I was confused. There were times where I thought it was Jonah Hill narrating. They didn't sound too similar, but they sounded similar enough to me. Where I was kind of like, wait, is that Jonah? Oh no, that's Miles. But usually narration in a movie doesn't bother me unless it's just way too much. I found the chapter headings more distracting than the narration. I kind of like the chapter headings just because they're cheesy. It's like an episode of Frasier. Do you guys watch Frasier? I've seen it. I know what you're talking about. Stacy? No. Okay. Going back to the instances of bromancing, it's a little subtle, but the fact that these guys keep going on these overseas trips with each other, (laughs) and they're in this dangerous place, going from Jordan to Iraq in a truck full of guns, I think you really have to have a special relationship with somebody to go on a trip like that. The goal wasn't to run the guns at first, though, you know, it was just ship them via plane. True, but ultimately they did it. It's a recurring theme throughout the movie that these guys just seem so unprepared and it doesn't make sense that they were as successful as they were at this stuff, which while it is based on a true story, I hate every time that shows up at the beginning of a movie. I like that, man. That prepped me. That got me interested, dude. I'm like, ugh. They changed a lot about what really happened. Yeah, the two main characters, they existed. They were gun runners. They're still around. The drive from Jordan to Baghdad didn't actually happen. But it adds the spice, you know, because the movie did lack action. 
expecting much more action and popping off the screen, guns going off for this type of movie with its title, War Dogs. They were just legitimately doing pencil pushing in an office the whole movie. It wouldn't be that interesting. To see these guys not having any bodyguards, no sort of entourage at all, just getting into a truck with a Jordanian. (laughs) (laughs) They're just nuts. (laughs) What criticisms might we lob at this? More over the top. Kill people. Get more action. More death. More, more, more. I need more action, bro. I want to solidify that bond. Thick and thin. We killed people together. We've done everything together. Just like you said, we're not fucking. We're almost there, but not quite. (laughs) We're true bros, man. We're there together. (laughs) It is a comedy for sure, but it's kind of like something where it's like the big short, where it's real stuff and they make it funny, but at the end of the day, it's like really depressing. You never see any consequences of what they sell to people. So I think maybe that's something that they could have elaborated on a little bit more. You know, you see their bank account going up, but then you see just a bunch of dead people that maybe didn't need to be killed so that we know they're not just making money. A lot of people are dying, too. That's the difference between this one and a movie that came out within a few years, Nicolas Cage and Lord of War. I started it and I never finished it. That one, they do look at the repercussions of selling these arms and fueling conflicts around the world. I find it's a little hard to take the movie seriously with all the references to Scarface. The movie poster is even a Scarface knockoff. (laughs) Whenever movies bring up other movies, I'm reminded that I'm watching a movie. Yeah, I think that's part of the charm too, though. They found a good way to insert it into the story, but it's still there. And if anything, this is more like Goodfellas with the constant narrating and all the exposition around their craft than it is Scarface. I don't know. I guess with Scarface, it's just got stereotypical, oh, I'm a self-made rich man type movie. Even though, yeah, I don't really think Scarface had a lot to do with this. Well, let's go with some odds and ends here. So the scene where they are going from Jordan to Baghdad, they stop the truck for a bit. Jonah Hill gets out to take a leak. He walks many paces to get to the side of a derelict building so he can pee on it. It's a desert. Just piss beside the truck. Stay near the truck. (laughs) You don't want your bro to see your wiener, bro. If anybody can see your wiener, it should be your bro. (laughs) It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be but jonah hill in this movie is a big guy he could turn around <laughs> i see where you're going frank but no i'm with jonah how he walked away military taught to use the wood line so you know you want to dip out a little bit the thing that really bothered me about that scene was that the truck was running on empty and they were able to punch it and get away from the bad guys on like no gas That bugged me a lot because they're just like, oh, wow, we have no gas. And he starts like hitting the gas gauge like that's going to magically. And it did. I mean, it worked. (laughs) Movie magic. They magically got more gas. Yeah. Especially when they're lugging around crates of Berettas. That's got to be heavy. Big wooden crates of guns. That's a lot. And they just punched it on fumes. (laughs) Well, because this duo in the movie really have no business being in the business of gun running. Let's do a little bit of round robin and come up with examples 
that professionals in this work would have done things differently in certain moments. The very first deal that got them in, the Beretta deal, they had to double check their paperwork, make sure everything was up to date. It wouldn't expire before the deal happened. I want to say the Afghan deal with the Chinese ammo, but at the same time, you wouldn't go through every single crate but I do feel like they made that point of they showed them the one crate that wasn't Chinese weaponry. Like, you know, you'd figure that they'd have them open all the shipping containers and at least look inside just to make sure the product's all there. You don't have to inspect every crate, but I think the shipping containers, just to make sure they're actually full, you know what I mean? That's a good point, Andrew. I think I would run guns with you. (laughs) (laughs) Not me, not me. You two. Jeez, man. We're bros. I think the three of us could do it. It seems like we have business acumen. And then also I'd like to point out, always keep business contracts in a secure place, preferably in a fireproof safe, and make copies. Mm -hmm. With the copier behind your desk? Uh... (laughs) Yeah. Literally, you could just turn around and make a copy of that contract. I think this movie feels a little boilerplate, seeing a guy rise in power and then his ultimate downfall, plot elements I feel like you could see coming a mile away. Is that a detriment to enjoying the movie for you, Stacy? Oh no, he's AFK. Huh, I still see him on the call. I heard a phone go off. I wonder if he's like on the line or... Oh, he had to go leak. Did he just text you? (laughs) Well, then, uh, you answer that, Andrew. (laughs) Oh, he's back already. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I had to pee so bad. (laughs) Bravo. You can't tell me you did that in record time and you didn't get a little piddle on your pants. (laughs) Now, answer my question, Stacey. My long-winded question. (laughs) As unoriginal as parts of the plot are, did that negatively impact your viewing, or did you just accept it and you were okay with it? I think I just accepted it, because I was too focused on the bromance. Is this what I think a bromance is? Is this hitting all my key points? As the movie progressed, it got better. I just ignored everything. (laughs) That's all I focused on. Yeah, I still enjoyed it, even though I can see certain things coming from the beginning of the flick. Well, that's it for War Dogs. Thank you very much to our special guest, Stacy, for showing up. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you. Bye. Andrew, you and I, we are trucking on, and we're going to get into Top Gun. 1986, I do believe. What would you summarize the plot as? Two Navy pilots, Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, and his backseat guy, Goose, played by Anthony Edwards, are given an opportunity to join the Top Gun flight school to learn to be the best of the best pilots in the Navy. This is one of those movies, when I was a kid, It would be on TV sometimes and I would watch it, but I always just watched bits and pieces of it. I just wanted to see the jet stuff. So yeah, I've only seen it probably three or four times all the way through. What are some of your favorite performances or scenes in this? Well, I think that Tom Cruise and Anthony Edwards give really great performances. 
at times really miss 80s Tom Cruise. He has like these really solid acting chops that I don't feel like he gets to flex very often because he's doing a lot of just these cool action flicks. Like Val Kilmer was good in this movie too. It was all the right people working on this film and it really came together in a special way. I found Tom Cruise's grinning to be very charming and it does a lot of the heavy lifting throughout the movie. As cocky as he is, and he comes off a little bit like a jerk sometimes. And then he gives that grin that makes you say, oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Maverick, you're all right. I know you're not being serious. He's a very precocious scamp in this film. Where do you see evidence of a bromance in this picture? Almost all the interactions between him and Goose. You know, the I feel the need, the need for speed was great. Their communications, even when they're in the jets doing the missions in Top Gun, they really play it off like they've known each other for years and years and years. It was after the exercise where Maverick left his wingman hanging, and then they lost, and then he said, I promise that'll never happen again, and then Goose just says, I know, and then walks away. They're just these subtle bromance moments. They get each other. They really get each other, and I think that's why... I chose this one. I found the bromance in this to be a little too subtle. There are a few moments when Maverick's hanging out with Goose's family that do really feel like it's a step above just a really good friendship. But for a lot of the rest of it, I was watching these scenes going, well, the way this plays, they could just be good friends, not necessarily to that level of being bromantic. I can get that. It is more subtle because it's not like War Dogs where almost every scene has them in it. But I feel like when they do share the screen together, they have that good on-screen chemistry. Like the bar scene when they're about to do Love and Feelin', just them talking in the beginning, it's very, very natural. And they do come off as guys that have just been through thick and thin, you know. The context definitely helps establish their relationship they are flying a jet together, and they're in the military together. That already lets you know their history. Yeah. Although I would consider this to be one of the best film bromances, this movie is Maverick's story. It's not the story of the bros like War Dogs or even your pick Star Trek Three. It's Maverick's story, but we just see the bromance as part of his life. And then the subsequent second half of the film where it's gone. Iceman, as the antagonist, he's got a big rivalry for the number one and two pilot spots with Maverick. I was hoping after Goose's death that Iceman would open up a bit more. He does to some extent, but I wanted to get some real feeling that he communicates that, you know what, Maverick, I have a love-hate relationship with you. Actually, I really do like you. They do express it in some fashion with that ending dogfight scene where Iceman needs his help. Something earlier would have been nice. The more I watched it, the more I realized, like, wait a minute. Everything he says to Maverick, he's right. Every time he talks to him, he's just like, you're dangerous in the air. You always do your own thing. You don't leave your wingman. In a lot of ways, Maverick is literally the Maverick. He's this lone wolf pilot who wants to be the best. Whereas Iceman is this very talented pilot, but he also knows it's a group effort up in the air. You know, you can't do your own thing because you might leave another guy high and dry. Any criticisms you might levy at this film? 
it doesn't age very well in quite a few aspects, I think. It is kind of a pinnacle of 80s cheese type of movie. The song Take My Breath Away by Berlin is played three times within about 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. The song's not even that good. (laughs) Okay, they got the licensing for that song and they ran with it. Well, in Danger Zone, that played at least twice. But Danger Zone's also a great song. (laughs) But it wasn't played in close succession like that. Take My Breath Away was like, they would just play that womp, 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 and then it cuts to a scene, and then he talks to Kelly McGillis for a little bit, and at the end of it, five, ten minutes later, and then five, ten minutes later, there's the sex scene, and womp, 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 womp. Felt like they were trying to sell some records. Yeah, they were trying to sell some records. Just the overall score. I hate how a scene starts, and then this really sad or dramatic music comes in before the scene even really begins. And you go, this is where Maverick's going to talk about his father. Yeah. It just telegraphs it so badly. I would agree with you. The score isn't the greatest. The score just mainly works when it's that kind of main Top Gun theme at the beginning and then at the end after the MiG fight where it's like, that really works. But yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of things get telegraphed by the music. It does have its pretty creepy kind of sexist moments. Like when he walks in on her in the bathroom? Yeah. The ladies restroom. (laughs) That's very strange. And then he starts talking about the counter being sturdy enough. It's like, hey, dude, you know, you struck out. This isn't the best time to, like, go in there and start telling her, like, well, we can bone on this counter. But then he smiles and it's okay. <laughs> but, but that's not the lesson we should be teaching people. And there are moments where he gets very flippant with Kelly McGillis in front of everybody. I mean, those moments, as inappropriate as they are, like, it is kind of odd that I don't care if the other pilots get on him for that, but, like, his commanding officer should have said something like, hey, dude, she's a civilian, but she's here to teach you. You know, shut your mouth, Maverick. It's dated, so I would say watch it knowing that it's a product of its time. Any odds and ends you want to mention? I'm pretty sure it'll be on a top ten list of most homoerotic scenes in a film. Oh, yeah. Uh, With the beach volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) This movie does have a lot of homoerotic imagery in it. Whether that's 80s woke or just something for the ladies, I don't know. I'd like to think it was just something for the ladies in the audience. Because it's a movie about fighter jets and stuff. That's total guys stuff, so it's like, hey, let's throw some crumbs at the ladies. Guys are going to be in locker rooms together. Get over it. Hey, Val Kilmer, can you walk up without your shirt again? Thank you. I did notice, especially in that initial orientation at Top Gun, where Maverick keeps looking back at Iceman, and he says it's because it's the rivalry, he wants to see who the best pilot is around here to take him on. He's looking back at him a lot. There are some shots where Kilmer and Cruz are just face-to-face, and they're sweaty, and it's like, dude, just kiss him. There's a movie where Quentin Tarantino is like, talking about how gay Top Gun is and how it's about this guy struggling with crossing the threshold into gay territory with Iceman. And it definitely gives you a new perspective on the film. It gets pretty homoerotic. And I'm not saying that as a criticism. It's just, it's there and it's obvious. So if you start feeling a certain way, you're not going crazy. Like, it gets pretty gay. 
I'm always a supporter of multiple interpretations. The more the merrier, as long as you don't say that is what the movie is. Yeah. But actually, Frank, before we move on, I'd like to get your opinion on the film. Well, first part of the odds and ends. At the very beginning, where they're on the USS Enterprise, and then they go for a little mission to, I guess, harass a MiG that's flying too close to them. It's a big moment where the other pilot, Cougar, loses his nerve. And watching that scene, I was thinking, damn, that sucks for the radar intercept officer in the rear seat. Yeah. (laughs) To have the pilot wig out on you. It blew my mind because I was really feeling for that guy in the back. And wasn't that Tim Robbins in the back? It was Tim Robbins, yeah. (laughs) Just because it was so crazy. I immediately went and Googled it. And yet, there are no flight controls in the back of that F-14. No, you're at the mercy of the pilot. He could not take control of the plane. That's where you just look at that eject button and make sure your hand is resting firmly over it. It's like, okay, like you get ready just in case, because you don't have to go down with them. Watching Top Gun, it was on my list of movies that I've never seen before. This one didn't quite do it for me. All the applause in the world for Tony Scott, because he directed this, right? Yes. This absolutely is going for something. They know what they're doing, what buttons they want to hit. I was having trouble accessing it. And a few times, I was even thinking to an officer and a gentleman, also a Navy military training movie, kind of wishing I was watching that. I also tend to have problems with movies that have the hotshot character It's harder for me to relate to them. I've never been a hotshot, even though I can certainly uh, spit a good game on occasion, like Jonah Hill. (laughs) (laughs) All that being said, I think it's worth watching just to understand what everybody's been talking about for all these years. Why is the volleyball scene so memorable? I don't get it. I think because of how unnecessary and out of place it is. You can remove the volleyball scene, nothing changes of the movie. It just makes it less homoerotic. It was just to get the guys not wearing their shirts. I went in with my expectations low. And it still disappointed? Yeah, it did. Hardcore. Really? I was even debating if I was even gonna out myself, but you caught on I wasn't saying a lot about the movie. (laughs) You didn't finish it. No, I did. Oh, Andrew, I'm not John. I would have told you up front. (laughs) I did text my dad immediately after, and I said, if it wasn't for the show, and if it wasn't because I already bailed you with Speed Racer, I had to finish this movie. If it wasn't for all that, I think I would have turned it off after half an hour. Dude, I just pick almost all stinkers, for you at least. They're not stinkers, man. It was still worthwhile for me because it was on my list. It satisfied that curiosity of being like, okay, well, you know, now I know. I've seen it. I've seen the celluloid. As long as you don't feel like it wasted your time, I guess. No, and it makes for good podcasting. In terms of 80s, it's pretty spot on, I think, to what that decade was to movies. Just kind of almost style over substance supposing you have a curiosity about them. I'll give you that. It belongs on that list of 
certainly top 50 movies, maybe 20 movies of the decade that you should watch if you really want to get that 80s vibe. You almost don't get more 80s than Top Gun, I think, in a lot of ways. Moving on, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. It's following Wrath of Khan. The crew of the Enterprise has just fought Khan, and Spock sacrifices himself. In this movie, Search for Spock, Kirk is sullen. He's lost his pal. In the midst of this, there's a planet where they tested the bomb, essentially, that is the Genesis device. It creates life from lifelessness. So when Kirk finds out that he might be able to revive Spock, he's being told from everybody above him, no, Jim, you can't go back to the Genesis planet. It's a no-fly zone. You can't go there. And the whole movie is just him making sacrifice after sacrifice for one of, if not his ultimate bro, Spock. Do you have any early memories of seeing this movie? In late high school, I started getting into the Star Trek movies more, where I finally watched all of them. I saw three long, long, long before I watched two. So you saw three, two, and then ultimately four? No, I watched them backwards. Oh. I loved four as a kid because whales and it was funnier. Star Trek two with those earworms. It's pretty dark. Scared the crap out of me. That scene terrified me when the worm goes into Chekhov's head. It terrifies me when it crawls out of his ear. So I didn't watch that until I was like in high school or something. I remember telling my mom about it. Like, oh yeah, I've never seen Wrath of Khan. She was like, what? And that's when she slapped you and said, get out of my house until you've seen it. No, almost though. Star Trek II of the original six was the last one I watched. Oh my god. I know, yeah. Star Trek Three never made 100% sense to me until after I watched Star Trek Two. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> what are some of your favorite scenes or performances in this? Anything with Bones getting kind of uppity is usually funny. And since he has Spock's mind in his mind, they did well with the dialogue where there was that fusion of Bones and Spock. The self-destruct sequence is cool but sad because it always sucks to see the Enterprise get severely damaged. Severely, it blew up. <laughs> That's pretty severe. <laughs> That's the most severe. Yeah. <laughs> You're underselling it. <laughs> I think Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon, great. Kirk and Lloyd's fight at the end of the movie, although these are guys like in their 50s at this point, they're still duking it out. It's believable. That is a wonderful example of the story makes that moment better than it is. Because there really isn't much fight choreography going on. They build it up very well. He's fighting for his bro, and it all matters. I think this is the best performance from William Shatner as Kirk. Hmm. His moment in the bar with his superior officer, when he floats the idea of Genesis, he wants to take the Enterprise back. And he gets told no. That beautiful little acting moment where it's on Kirk and he smiles. And until he says, you're right, that was a stupid idea, I won't do it. That smile totally is, oh, I'm going to break the rules, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. And you know that's what he means by the smile. And then the log that he does at the beginning, what an example of the bromance where he says, Spock's death is like an open wound 
It feels like I left the noblest part of myself back there. Yeah, um, after a line like that, I'd pop into the bridge and say, Hey, Kirk, uh, you guys gay or what, bro? <laughs> you guys gay or what? <laughs> and then the mind meld he does with Sarek, where they're establishing that there is a way to save Spock. McCoy has Spock's Katra, his essence, to be part of this whole plan to get him back. As compelling as the ending of Khan was, where they're separated by the glass and Spock on one side, Kirk on the other, in this one, I think another moment is when Sarek mind melds with Kirk and he makes him relive being separated by the glass. Kirk just gives that little whimper, no. So poignant. I got a feeling you're going to give me some pushback on this being Kirk's best performance. You make a very strong case for this being his best performance as Kirk. Like, I was about to give you pushback, but I'm thinking, like, you know what? Like, that mind meld scene is really good. There's a scene where... We'll just say a character dies at a certain point. We won't say who. Yeah, like, when he... When he stumbles back, and it's like he's trying to sit down, but he slips out, his voice is breaking. It is a very dynamic performance by Shatner as Kirk. And as good as Shatner's performance is, I think we shouldn't underestimate Bones in this one also. His comedic chops are pretty on point with this one, too. Odd-numbered Trek movies have a really bad reputation, but if you're going to watch an odd-numbered one, I'd say this is the one to watch. He's got some great lines in this, such as... That green-blooded son of a bitch, it's his revenge for all those arguments he lost. <laughs> I think that's probably one of my favorite lines in the movie, actually. What criticisms might you levy at this film? I think this is going to be kind of weird, and this is just, this is me, like, personally kind of nitpicking. Mm -hmm. I'm taking this back to Top Gun, right? And I'm not just, <laughs> just because it's fresh in my mind, but Maverick is a sequel that you can watch without having seen the first because it tells you everything you need to know. Star Trek 3 does have its moments where it catches you up, but it is very dependent on knowing the characters, knowing what's going on, because I was always wondering, like, who the hell is Savick? Like, I didn't know that she was with them in Star Trek 2. You cannot watch it separately and really, truly grasp it. And also there are some very gross worms on the planet that are nasty. They must have heard about the reaction to the worms in Wrath of Khan and said, we got to do that again in this. Is there any chance Chekhov can lie down in that bed of worms? <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment that made me laugh, and not for the right reasons. When Kirk is watching security footage of what happened at the end of Wrath of Khan with Spock dying in the engine room, He's rewinding what is essentially is a VHS copy of Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing about movies that I really don't like is when it's like, oh, let's watch the security feed. It's not a security feed. It's just the movie before. But yeah, he's just watching the movie. <laughs> you would think in the 23rd century, the VCR technology would be top notch. But even when he freeze frames it, you can see the footage wobble a little bit because, you know, it's not very good quality. The future now looks old, which is always kind of something I think is funny with old school sci-fi. Now on to TLDL, Too Long Didn't Listen, where I ask you some questions 
and just get a distilled version of our conversation. What's the weakest bromance movie out of these three? I guess when it does boil down to it, I would say Top Gun. Which movie incorporates political themes better into the narrative? War Dogs or Top Gun? It's pretty heavy-handed, but War Dogs. What's a better group movie? One that you see with friends. War Dogs or Top Gun? Top Gun. Okay, you got that. (laughs) Who gave a better antagonistic performance? Val Kilmer or Christopher Lloyd? In terms of pure antagonist, Christopher Lloyd. Which of the main crew on the Enterprise would you be least likely inclined to go searching for? Chekhov. What's more engaging in Top Gun? The dead dad subplot or the dead friend? The cooked goose, if you will. Oh my. (laughs) The cooked goose. (laughs) 